0: Hello there, coaches. Welcome back to the ITA College Tennis Coaches podcast. Uh, Today, I am speaking with Joey Scrivano from Baylor University. So Joey spent the last 18 years as the head women's coach at Baylor University. During that time, he has amassed 11 regular season Big 12 championships, as well as two Final Four appearances, along with countless other accolades. In this episode, we discuss how he stays ahead of the curve on all things player development related, his process for planning practice, why he videos all of his practices and how tennis has become so influential within the Baylor Athletics Department and Waco community. I'd also recommend uh, you guys listen to the webinar with Josh Goffey and Kevin Hepley from the University of South Carolina as they also get into their ideas around planning practice and player development. So I hope to see you guys on an upcoming webinar. We have several more planned throughout the month of May and into June. And uh, in the meantime, enjoy my conversation with Joey Joey thanks a lot for coming on the ITA college tennis coaches podcast
1: oh thanks for having me Dave it's a pleasure
0: yeah. It's good to, uh, catch up with you. Obviously we, uh, we've known each other a long time and, and, uh, really, uh, got to see your teams in action when I was a, an assistant at Northwestern. So, uh, so impressed with, with the job you did and then, uh, got to see it a little more, uh, up close when I was at, uh, at Oklahoma and, and always have had a huge amount of respect for you and the, the job you, you do. So I'm excited to, to chat and, and get under the hood a little bit more today.
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks again for having me, Dave. And yeah, the, the, the respect is mutual and uh, I definitely prefer having you working for us as a coaching association than, competing against
0: you so I, I appreciate that okay well thanks Joey well look um you know like I said there I've I've uh, I've always felt like you're a little bit ahead of the curb in regards to to player development uh, I thought you were an early adopter of using cameras analyzing footage scouting opponents um you brought Craig O'Shaughnessy on early and uh, you know uh, kind of shined a light on his brain game research um you know and, and we're having conversations with him before a lot of other college coaches which has understood the, the power of the work he was doing. But um, why do you think uh, that is? And how do you continue to stay on top of the things that you believe will help your players develop?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think it just really comes down to this, this you know, burning desire that I've had, uh, to, you know, from an early age that, to, to learn. And um, I've just been very curious um, uh, you know, I, I think I get that from my mom. She 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 probably you know questions uh, a lot of things in life, and um, I definitely uh, adapted that same philosophy of just a lot of questioning. And um, you know, so in in my journey as a as a young tennis player, you know, I started late, and I was trying to find an edge and trying to actually trying to catch up. You know, when you start mm-hmm. late you know, you're, you're, you're trying to find a way to compete. So, um, you know, I I would bring a camera on the court and videotape myself hitting serves and, Mm. uh, you know, hitting backhands and just, you know, trying to just find a way to improve. Um, because I always felt like tennis was a a sport that just was just too much of a, this is the way we do it. So this is, this (laughs) is the way we continue to do it. And Mm -hmm. I never really liked that about tennis. And, and then when I got into coaching, I noticed, you know, that, um, you know, there wasn't anybody videotaping matches and, and I was kind of surprised because in other sports, that's just uh, common practice. And right. I, I was, I thought, okay, let's, we, we need to videotape matches. So, you know, I was, I was fortunate. I, 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 was at the university of South Alabama and, and, um, coach Novak, Scott Novak, who was the the head men's coach at the time. And. He was, he had, he installed cameras, mm-hmm. uh, at the facility. So we really shared the same philosophy, uh, in that regard. And then I think I just took it to, to another level and, you know, uh, carrying v- cameras all around the country and trying to videotape every single match. And, um, and now I, 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 see that everywhere and I, and I, you know, I, I definitely <laughs> smile when I see it because, uh, you know, it shows that we're evolving. hmm yeah
0: yeah and and so what are some how are you kind of staying on top or, or staying ahead of the curve now or is, is there you know I, I know you you talk with with coaches and other sports and and uh, mm-hmm. kind of get a sense of what what they're doing i mean what what are some of the things that you're maybe doing right now or, or exploring or researching that that you think can can help your players move forward <sighs>
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of it is just, uh, observing and just watching a lot of tennis and, uh, and other sports, you know, I, I think I've learned more from football, uh, than I have tennis in the last, you know, five years. Um, mm-hmm. just with the way football is evolving and you can see how, uh, you know, big 12 football has, has moved into the NFL mm-hmm. and, and, Think you know just just these trends and these patterns that are happening in other sports and, and and basketball. You know the three point line has been around since you know I think 1980, but we're finally now the the coaches are starting to really figure out what a game changer that rule change mm-hmm. was, and and now they're figuring out how to take advantage of it. So. Um, I think I'm just, you know, trying to observe other sports, learn from other coaches, Mm -hmm. um, you know, ask a lot of questions and, and, you know, in college tennis, we have uh, just an an amazing group of coaches. You know, I, I love watching how other coaches are, are training their players and, and just the, you know, the way they're playing and, Mm -hmm. and, and really just studying it and, and just trying, you know, to, to a to see how that can work for us and, and, uh, and, you know, going through a lot of trial and error, you know, I'm, I'm really not afraid to try and fail. Yeah. Um, and I've done a lot of that. Uh, so it's it just, I feel like that's the best way to learn. It's mm-hmm. just, you got to go through that painful process of trial and error. And, um, and you know, the more you study something, the, the more layers that, that start uh, coming, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's, it becomes like a black hole. Yeah. And I feel like that's what's, that's what it's like to study the, the sport of tennis. It's just a never ending journey of learning. And, mm-hmm. um, and I just try to just, keep that going and never just be Mm -hmm. complacent. So,
0: right. um, So how do you evaluate what's working? I mean, is it, is it player feedback? Is it results? Is it, you know, um, feedback say from an athletic trainer in terms of injuries or something like that or or how how are you evaluating when you've made a change maybe you've you've uh, seen something else from another coach or maybe from another sport and you're trying to adapt it to to your team how how are you evaluating its success or or its failure
1: yeah i i think you're spot on the the players are are the best at giving you the feedback because Mm -hmm. they're the ones having to go out there and and, uh, execute and Mm -hmm. compete and um, they have uh, an amazing, um, feel for what's going on. And, you know, the further you get away from playing, you can kind of lose that. So, mm. um, you want to, uh, uh and, you know, my advice is, you know, you want to constantly be communicating with the players and get their feedback, um, because they, they do really know what's going on out there. Um, and, and if you're, if, if you don't let them in on the process, then, then you're going to be missing out on some really valuable information. So yeah, definitely the players, uh, number one above everyone else. And then,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you know, trainers definitely, uh, you know, have a, have a role because they, they understand the body, uh, and they understand the, you know, they're, I think they're doing a better job of of understanding, you know, uh, load management and, Mm -hmm. Um, just what the body can handle and, um, you know, th- you know, the physiotherapists are, are, incredible as well because they, they have great knowledge, uh, in that regard as, as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's everybody, it's everybody, on your staff, you know, your strength and conditioning coach, um, you know, obviously your assistant coaches, it's, it's really a team effort and, uh, you know, the more information you have, the better. That's how you make better decisions.
0: Yeah. So, so your teams, to me, they always uh, exuded professionalism. Um, whether it was their approach to, you know, warming up for a match, how they were competing, how they were cooling down, uh, even when we go to Baylor and and kind of witness you guys practicing the the day before the match. So, h- how have you gone about instilling that level of professionalism in your players? <laughs>
1: Well, I think the first part to that is you, you've got to recruit, uh, with a, with a profile in mind. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, that has to be a part of your profile is, you know, you want players that, that are professional and that, um, you know, are passionate about the, the details and the process. And, um, you know, so it's definitely a, you know, part of our recruiting profile. Um, and then you have to also, you know, work on it every day and instill that, um, that culture of, Hey, we're going to be the most professional team in college tennis. And, mm-hmm. and that's, so that's a never ending uh, process, you know, because, um, like anything, I mean, players need to be encouraged and they need uh, structure and they need, uh, uh, a system, you know, to, to make sure that they, they, they stay focused on those daily habits that, that make a huge difference.
0: Right. Right. And, and so when you're recruiting players, I mean, is it just really kind of watching them from a distance? Um, you know, is it, is it in your conversations with them? Is it, uh, conversations with, with coaches and, and, and parents or, or players they've competed against or something like that? Or or how do you go about, um, you know, figuring out, uh, where they fit in your profile?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. I, I think it's all those things, you know, um, definitely observing would be, you know, the ideal best way. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, you can see how a player um, handles themselves between points, you know, on a changeover, you know, what are they doing uh, in preparation of a match? Um, You know, are they on their phone or or are they, Mm -hmm. you know, talking to their friends or are they, you know, over there? uh, in a corner, you know, jumping rope and, and walking in. So there's a lot of, uh, little, uh, hints that will, 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 you know, give you, uh, information that, that either it's in, uh, reinforcing the player that you're looking for, or it's helping you eliminate the, that, that prospect, you know, maybe they're just not the right fit for, for your profile. So, Right. Um, I think those, those type of things. And then, you know, you got to do your due diligence and, and speak with parents and get their, um, perspective on their child. I mean, they, they, they know their kids better than anybody. So, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're an incredible resource. If you ask them the right questions, specific questions, they'll give you great information. Right. Uh, and then of course coaches and, and, uh, I, I love to ask, um, you know, coaches, Hey, give me examples of, of why this, you tell me this player is a hard worker. Well, give me examples of why they're a hard worker mm-hmm. and then make them specifically, uh, articulate, you know, why this, this prospect is, you know, fits the profile that you're looking for.
0: All right. Um, Right. It's not just yes, no answers. And and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's getting underneath the surface and, and, uh, looking for those specifics, like you said. So, so what, what is your process for, for planning your practices?
1: Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's another great question. Um, that's been an ongoing, ongoing journey. Uh, you know, just constantly trying to refine, Mm -hmm. um, you know, refine our, our system, um, and really it's, you know, it all starts with the big picture. Where, where are you going? You know, what's, what's, uh, what's the goal that you and the player have set out and you know, what's the, who are they trying to become? You know, what's, what's the end game. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you have to design your practice with that end game in mind. And uh, I think once you do that and it's very detailed and you understand, you know, Hey, this is the story we're trying to write. Then you can make your practices fit that. And, and a lot of times I I have to like, you know, look, you know, look back to that paragraph that I wrote with the player, you know, what's the mantra of this player? Mm -hmm. You know, what does she want to become? And, and then, you know, just to remind yourself, so you don't get off track and start be, you know, practicing in a way that's not going to help her become the best player she can be. So I think you start with the end in mind, um, and then you just develop your practice around that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, like I said, that's, that's an, that's also very specific to each player. Um, as well as there are patterns and trends in the game you know, like you mentioned Craig O'Shaughnessy, he he's done an unbelievable job of educating us all on here's the trends in the game, here's where the game's going. So you definitely want to use that information as well as the the uh, the information that the player is going to provide and mm-hmm. you know what her goals are and and you want to mesh those two and then come up with a plan from there.
0: Mm-hmm. And do you record any of your practices?
1: We do. We Mm -hmm. do. We, we record pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. Um, now I wish somehow we could get, you know, more time in the day to, to review, (laughs) uh, you know, review everything, but, um, -hmm. but it's recorded because, you know, Hey, maybe, you know, maybe we need to review that practice. Maybe Mm -hmm. the, the player needs to see this is the way she's practicing and, you know, maybe the way she's practicing isn't, um, is' in an, in alignment with who she wants to become mm. so
0: yeah, yeah. so you want to be able to extract those examples and be able to show the player um why those <laughs> what, what where she's saying she wants to go isn't necessarily aligning with with her her attitude or intensity or or her decision making in practice. is that fair to say?
1: oh absolutely. and and we have a, a you know a classic line that we use all the time, and it's. Uh,
0: them, don't lie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Can't really argue with it. Although I found some players and parents in the past that did want to argue with it. So, uh, we, we won't go there. But um, and is is do you have any then form of of uh, reflection of your own coaching? Let's say you've finished a practice or or a match or a week. Um, uh, do you go back and and analyze the job that you've done as a coach?
1: I have. Yeah. And that's painful. It's a painful <laughs> process, man. I've, you know, I've reflected on, you know, um, you know, all the years, uh, that I've coached and just every look back at every team and kind of what was the theme with that team and mm-hmm. where was, where was I at at that time as a coach? You know, where, what was my philosophy? Um, you know, what kind of Uh, what was my belief system in regards to tennis and leadership and building culture. And, and it's really, uh, uh, it's a, it can, it can be a fun process to look back and and see where you've evolved and see which things just never change. You know, Mm. there's, there's a lot of things that we've changed over the years and then there's things that haven't changed it at all. Like our value system, you know, like, Mm. Hey, you know, we're, we're going to be professional, like you said. And, we're going to we're going to uh, work hard and we're going to work smart and and we're going to be all about the team and and those type of things never change but i think some of the details in regards to the tennis and maybe the approach to how we get there that that's changed quite a bit over the years
0: mm. you know could you elaborate a little bit more on, on maybe how that's changed over the years
1: yeah for sure um you know i think uh You know, early on, I, I, you know, I didn't have the data to back up my belief in in my belief system and how how tennis should be played or how winning tennis is played, and and I think I was very offensive minded uh, Mm -hmm. in my early years, and um, and both singles and doubles, and then, you know, your 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 the players you recruit, you know, change, Mm -hmm. and and you know there's programs that can just out talent you Mm -hmm. and they're very fortunate in that they can get a certain standard of player that, Hey, they're just going to play their game and they're just going to beat you. And then there's programs that have to actually uh, be willing to adapt with the players they have. So in reflection, I've had to change a lot because of the players.
0: Mm.
1: So, you know, I've also looked, I've looked at, okay, where was I at as a coach? Uh, as a leader, but also uh, while you're doing that, you, you better look at the, the way your team is made up because, you know, some of the years we've had players that, Hey, they're, they're just good movers. They, they, they can't break an egg with, with their ground strokes or their serve. Mm -hmm. So it limits you in the, in how offensive you can play. Right. And now you have to embrace a different style of tennis, um, So, you know, there's a lot of factors involved, but I would say, you know, early on, definitely uh, I I had teams that, that allowed me to play very offensive, you know, um, and, and it was a great, it was a great fit. And then I came over to Baylor and I had to build a program, Mm -hmm. you know, so I, I, I had to take, I had to take players that, that just, you know, they, they couldn't do the things I really wanted to do. Instead of saying, "Hey, this is the system we're going to play," I had to adapt
0: mm-hmm. and
1: just make make it work for them. Um, and then, as we were able to to recruit uh, you know s- stronger athletes, um, then we were able to go get back more offensive again. So, long story short, uh, you know that we've had to adjust a lot. And, and I think if you're at, uh, you know, if you're at a program where you're, you know, year to year, your, your, um, your talent level may, may change, you, you're going to have to just adapt and make the most of it. So, right.
0: um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what is maybe the biggest hindrance you face when it comes to developing tennis players? I know it's a tough question and it's an individual sport, but if there is one yeah. theme that's kind of, um, you know, that, that you really struggle with or bang your head against the wall a bit when you're, when you're, you're trying to develop tennis players and, and, you know, how do you go about finding solutions to, to that challenge or that hindrance?
1: Yeah, well, it's a great question. I mean, uh, I, that's, that's definitely, um, it, it's a very complex question, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think the number one thing is that you, you got to get yourself out of the way. Um, and, and I, you know, uh, why I think like, uh, all coaches, you know, our ego can get in the way <laughs> and, and you got to remove that. And, uh, it's your, your ego is definitely, uh, an enemy in, in player development. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you definitely have to remove that and, and have a lot of self-awareness of, okay, am I, it, it might, you know, it, it, let's say a player, you're struggling with a player and, and the improvement isn't happening the way you would hope. Um, you know, you, you can't, you can't let that affect you and, and let your, you can't let that become personal. You you gotta just understand that hey this is a part of the process and maybe you're not doing a great job of teaching it you know maybe, maybe mm-hmm. you need to 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 change what you're doing and um, you know every mistake that I've made uh, in regards to player development is I would say ego is a big part of it and and I've had to really uh, work on on making sure that. Um, that, you know that that my ego is, is is not a part of the equation and mm-hmm. and i think so so that's that's number one and then number two you know you're you're dealing with young people you're dealing with human beings um you know their motivation is constantly changing you know <laughs> um there's so much um there there's just so much uh, uh external forces that are a part of this process and you know if they're if the people around them are getting hung up on on them winning or losing, that's right. going to really affect the player development, as you know. Mm-hmm. So, so it's this combination of of uh, you know where you where you are as a coach, and then where are they as a player, and you got to make sure to get that mm-hmm. uh, in alignment and get everybody on the same page.
0: Yeah. So has becoming a father, you think, uh, helped you with that a little bit in terms of getting the ego out of the way and, and recognizing that, that, uh, these, these players are dealing with a, a lot more complex issues. Has is that, has that changed you at all as a coach or, uh, have you had time to reflect upon that yet?
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely, um, has given me a different perspective, you know, I think, I see my kids and, and I'm, I think, okay, one day, you know, they're going to be in sports, I hope. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who do I want to coach them? Who do I, who do I want them uh, to be around and, mm. and leading them? And, and, and it definitely holds me accountable and, and makes me think, okay, I, I have to be, I have to be a great role model for these kids, and and um, so so definitely, uh, you know, a, a blessing in regards to uh, in many ways, of course. But but in coaching, it's it's made me a better, definitely made me a better coach for mm. sure.
0: Okay. And, and, uh, I know we, we both think we're still really young, but, uh, the, the <laughs> years are, are ticking by and, and you've now seen, uh, at least a couple of generations, uh, come through your, 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 you know, your, your programs through the years. I mean, have, have you had to adapt how you develop players w- with each of the changing generations? Or again, is that, am, am, am I generalizing too much here?
1: No, I think you're, you're spot on. I mean, you know, that this generation is, is very different than the last. I mean, we have, uh, held, ha- held you know, handheld computers, uh, with us 24 hours a day. And, and that makes a difference. I mean, and then we have social media where, you know, there's, there's great pressure on these kids to be everything. You know, they, they, they have to be, you know, professional athletes and they have to uh, look a certain way and they have to have, you know, uh, a great social life and Mm -hmm. they're just incredible amount of pressure on this generation uh, more than ever. And, and and it's all to be perfect. Right. And it's, and it's all around, um, you know, perception that they have everything in their life is, is perfect and exceptional and they're excelling in everything you know, I mean, that's, 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 that's a burden right there. So mm-hmm. I think it's really changed, um, the way that I coach because I, I'm, I'm very empathetic to that. You know, I, I'm, I'm really thankful that I didn't have to deal with that, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I, I could grow up and, and I made a lot of mistakes and, and, uh, I, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't spotlighted, you know, and I wasn't trying to be, <laughs> I wasn't trying to be, I was far from it and, and, and it was okay, you know? So right. I think that's the challenge for these kids. And, um, the last thing they need is, is someone else to pile onto that. Uh, they really need support and they need encouragement and, uh, they need a lot of positivity and, mhm And they need, you know, I think they need to connect with, with people that, uh, help them navigate this, this complexity of social media and, uh, technology and, um, but, but, you know, they're going to come out of this and, um, they're going to be, their ability to adapt is going to be incredible. So, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a burden, but, uh, handled the right way i mean this generation is going to be uh better than than any, any other because of all all of the challenges they're going to face
0: mm. okay I, I like your optimism there um <laughs> no it's good um so other than player development and recruiting where do you spend the majority of your time
1: yeah i mean um you know the job is is um it's It's you know pretty complex and it's getting more complex. So you know i I really try to spend any extra time I have on on staff development um, because you know it's not a one person job. Mm-hmm. and you really need your assistant coaches to uh, to really help you. I mean, you they they need to be great leaders, and they need to have the same philosophy that you have, and uh, they got to help you with, with player development. And Mm -hmm. this is just not a one person, um, uh, job like maybe it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you know, you've got to have, um, superior, uh, staff. And, and I feel like, you know, you got to same as recruiting, you've got to really work hard on bringing the right people in and then you have to find the time to develop them. And, um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's amazing how, you know, time flies throughout the day, but, but we, you know, we try to find, you know, even if it's a half an hour to meet with an assistant coach to try to help them uh, with their personal development, uh, that's, that's what we're trying to do, you know, and mm-hmm. and then of course, from an administrative side, I think, you know, you want to have uh, a strong relationship with your sports supervisor. And, um, you know, you, you got to, also invest that time in, in developing the relationship with your with your sports supervisor and your administration and mm. um, and you have to be intentional with that that's just not going to come natural because they're very busy and, and have a lot on their plate as well so mm-hmm. it, it, it really um, takes it takes a real big effort and uh, a strategic effort to make sure that you're setting uh, aside that time to to develop your people and to build relationships
0: mm, that, that's interesting about the the sports supervisors so so obviously they they come and go as well uh, through the years but but how do you go about uh developing that relationship is it just keeping them updated with anything that going goes on in the program is it texting them daily is it going for lunch with them how, how do you do do that
1: yeah i think you you named all the all the ways um you know, definitely you want to, to, you know, whatever, whatever fits their schedule because, mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they definitely have uh, a very complex job as well. And, and, you know, uh, you obviously don't want to, um, you know, be a pain in the neck uh, and, and pester them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with my sports supervisor, uh, Javon Overshawn, who's been absolutely incredible, um, you know, we just set a time uh, each week, you know, it's it's set and we spend an hour, um, you know, just it's a weekly catch up and, mm-hmm. um, and and she's great. I mean, there's times that that, you know, we need to talk about things, uh, you know, before that weekly catch up and she's she's always available and, and, and is she she's really into you know the, the program she wants what's best for the student athletes and mm-hmm. so we we have a you know a, a shared philosophy that hey we want to make this a special experience for for our student athletes and and she knows she's a part of that so okay. um but but i think yeah i think that's more important than ever that that you have someone that's that that's on board and really understands Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the challenges of of being a student athlete and being coach, and and you want someone that uh, that understands that and and is all in on on helping you make make this experience special.
0: Yeah, no, that that's really interesting to hear. I think it'll be surprising for for a lot of coaches. I think sometimes it's it's that that relationship is is one that causes a lot of frustration, uh, for coaches, but it, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. If, if the communication lines are open all the time and, and like you said, you're intentional about, um, how you're navigating that relationship. Um, so uh, that's, that's a really great advice. Um, so. Uh, you know, early, you know, early in my coaching career, like I said, I, I feel like yourself and Mackinol, you know, you, you build, you know, an unlikely college tennis powerhouse in Baylor at the time, you know, it was, it was the Stanfords and, and the UCLA's kind of the, the West Coast schools that were, were dominating and, and you guys come in and, in uh, Waco, Texas and at Baylor and, and you made two final fours of the NCAA tournament. Mackinol wins an NCAA championship and, and, I feel like you guys put Baylor on the map and and set the standards for how the athletic department could consider themselves a powerhouse in many sports not just tennis. Do, do you agree with that assessment and and if so how did tennis become so influential at Baylor?
1: Yeah, I think um you know the the, the first step is that you have to have, uh, an athletic director that, that sees the vision and, and has the vision, you know, and, uh, we were fortunate, um, that, uh, you know, Tom Stanton, who was the AD that hired me and Matt, you know, he, he had a vision that he wanted to be the best in tennis. And, and that, you know, that started with facilities and, and then it, you know, translated into, you know, uh, hiring coaches. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it kind of snowballs. Um, but I, I've been incredibly fortunate because I've, I've only worked with ADs that have seen the value in the sport of tennis. And they've, they've really bought into the vision of, you know, trying to win an NCAA championship and, and they've been incredibly supportive. So, you know, I, I worked for Joe Godfrey at the university of South Alabama and, they had a great tradition in tennis before I got mm-hmm. there, but he you know, he, he saw something in me and gave me an opportunity to be a head coach and and then like I said, Tom Stanton, uh, who hired me at Baylor and then translated to um, you know, Ian McCaw came in and he, he was an AD at Baylor for you know over ten years and, and he was he was amazing and incredibly supportive. And now most recently Mac Rhodes, who was just the A D of the year. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's continued that support and, and is really, uh, I think fallen in love with tennis as well. So, you know, it starts at the top and, and if you don't have a great athletic director that's supportive, it, it's very difficult. Mm. Um, so I've been incredibly fortunate there. Um, and then, you know, really it's just about putting your head down and, and doing the work, you know, you, you i had a plan when i got to baylor hey this is we want to win win an ncaa championship and here's how we're going to do it and then it's just putting your head down and doing the work every day and Mm -hmm. and not really focusing too much on the the goal and just putting it all into the process and um and that's that's really all that we've you know that's all that i can say i've done Mm -hmm. is just try to do the job and Uh, There's a lot of ups and downs along the way, you know, I've been at Baylor 18 years and and we've had a lot of success and, but we've also had, you know, there's moments that's very challenging and you just got to stay the course. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I don't know what the, how much influence it's had on other, other programs at Baylor, but, um, but I definitely think that, um, you know it, it, it starts at the top and and if you have great leadership then everything else will, will come into place
0: okay so so how can we help other tennis programs maybe have similar levels of influence within their athletic departments is there anything that you guys you feel, obviously you've've you've, you've had great teams there and, and challenging for for national championships um, you know and, and a, I, I don't know how many big 12 championships oh. a, a million and three at this oh. stage but um, you know uh, other, other than that, um, you know, what what else are you doing, say, within the community that that is allowing you to uh, to have uh, have such a high level of stature within your athletic department?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, you, you know, I think the challenging part for for all the the coaches, you know, they're all at different uh, programs. I mean, there's you know, they have they have different challenges, you know, and, and not every program in college, uh, tennis can win a national championship or even win a conference championship. So, so, you know, I really empathize with these coaches that, you know, they, they're coaching and they don't feel like they can go win, which they, they think, well, I have to win to have an impact on my athletic director or to have an impact in in the community or, or athletic department. And I, I just don't believe that's really the truth. It definitely helps, mm-hmm. but I think if you can build a great program that that has a, a really healthy culture, and you're developing, you know, long, young leaders, and people can see that your your team is is a, is a first class, you know, team with with amazing student athletes. I think everybody can see that. And everybody can see once when, when kids are competing hard and they're giving their best. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you can a lot of times when you're losing, you <laughs> that's the ultimate test. You know, how are your players responding when you're not having team success? They can still win a match uh, without actually winning the match. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I noticed that, I'll give you an example. You know, when Matt Rule came to Baylor, you know, our, our football coach who's now with the Panthers. his first year, he was one and eleven, and I went to every I went to every home game, and I watched every game, and I would tell my wife, I said, "This guy is going to build. He's building one of the best programs in college football." And she's like, "What? You're not? Are you not like looking at the score?" And I'm like, "No, I'm watching the I'm watching the way his teams are competing, and I'm watching the interactions on the sidelines, and I'm watching how are they handling." The, you know how are they handling the loss and and the the piling up the losses so you know i would say just every coach you, you got to build the culture and you got to really invest in in having that that first class um program that everybody can see you know have your kids doing great in school i mean there's no excuse that your kids aren't aren't graduating obviously and having really high gpas i mean that's something that's mm-hmm. in your control you know um the way they they uh they they just act in in the weight room and around the the, the uh the athletic department or the university i mean they're all those things you can have influence over right the other thing you know and this is something we started about 10 years ago uh you know we have uh, uh tennis clinics for, for, uh, it's for young players, for basically kids, you know, from ages four to, to 14, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we have free clinics before every home match and it's a grassroots tennis program. And, you know, our staff gets involved. We have club tennis players that, uh, are a part of the university that, that help volunteer their time. And, and we really try to connect to the community And that's something that I I feel like every tennis program um can do and should be doing. And this is a great way to add value to your program. Now you're gonna have you know people in the community singing your praises about hey, this is what what you're doing outside of competing in a tennis match. You're you're trying to give something back to the community. And I think athletic directors uh, they, I, I know they, they notice those type of things and, and right. they make an impact and mm-hmm. those are all controllables. You know, we can all do these type of things. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's something that I I would say that everybody should be doing.
0: Yeah. So, so if there's a coach out there listening and and they're thinking about how how do they maximize their, their facility and, and show their athletic department that they're out there in the community, they want to get something like this started. I mean, what, what would just be a couple of tips just to get something started? Is it on, on game day? Is it, you know, do they need to set up an LLC? I mean, just, just a couple of quick tips for the coaches.
1: Yeah, no, no, for sure. Um, well, I think we we decided to do it on match day because we felt like um, you know the the matches are publicized. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a marketing team that puts you know that that is trying to promote the matches. So we thought, okay, let's just uh, tag onto that, and and so that's why we chose match days. The other piece to that is we we would do a one hour before the match, so our staff. Um, is already there. Uh, we have a lot of, you know, you're going to have a facilities person there. You're going to have athletic trainers there. You're going to have a lot of support staff from the university, which is a good thing when Mm -hmm. you're obviously hosting a clinic, um, just from a liability standpoint. Um, so you have some people there that can, that can help you, you know, maybe set up the additional nets or or help you with the equipment taken in, in and out. And, and then of course, you know, a bonus is that the kids and like we do it while we're warming up. So a lot, so the clinic is going on and, and, but, you know, we have six courts, two, two courts we use for the clinic. And then the other, uh, the other two courts we're warming up and then the opposing teams are warming up. The kids can see mm-hmm. these really great, amazing student athletes, you know, playing this, you know, beautiful sport and they're, they're like loving it. They're looking over and then they're emulating what the, what the Mm -hmm. players are doing. So we felt like it would just, um, it just made a lot of sense to just do it on match day because we, we had the infrastructure in place to to do that. Yeah. And then, you know, the next step is, you know, you, well, the first step is, you know, obviously sit down with your compliance office and, and make sure that they understand what you're what you're doing and and they'll they'll help you you know they'll walk you through um, you know I think that you know you can't have prospects be a part of the mm-hmm. the clinic and there's some things like that but um but yeah I think everybody you know sees the value in this and they're going to be more than uh, willing to help you know so mm-hmm. you know administration you know compliance and then and then having your people uh, your staff and your players get behind it or are the, the three three main steps that you, you need to do.
0: Very good. Okay. Well, that leads us into our rapid fire round. So um, you ready for this, Joey? Yeah, um, okay. What is a book that made a major impact on you as a coach? Oh man, that's a tough
1: one. Um, I'm going to give you four. I'll do them as fast as I can because Take your time. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do one, but, um, mm-hmm you know, uh, Bill Walsh is the winning edge. I mean, that's just a manual for coaching, uh, and, and administration. I think every coach should have that book on their desk and mm-hmm. look through it on a weekly basis. Um, it's just, it's just incredibly in depth and, um, it's, it's definitely a game changer. Um, you know, there's there's a book called The Slight Edge, mm-hmm. and uh, you gave it to me about 10 years ago, <laughs> and uh, that book, as you know, is all about process and, and just, you know, how habits can really make a difference, especially when you're consistent with them, um, so I, I absolutely love that book, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, Gridiron Genius came out about a year ago, and uh, Michael Lombardi, who... It's become a good friend of mine. Uh, that book is just amazing. I mean, it's all about leadership and how you build culture. And mm. um, you know, there's a lot of great stories in there. And and uh Michael worked with you know Al Davis, Bill Walsh, and Bill Belichick. Wow. I mean, three, three incredible coaches. And um, so that that book is 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 absolutely a must mm. to, to read. Um, and then most recently uh, this book called inside out coaching. And, uh, it's, it's about, uh, you know, becoming a transformational coach. And this guy's story, um, is uh, Joe Orman is just amazing. Like, you know, he was a phenomenal athlete, uh, and and became an NFL player and just talks about his journey. And, um, it, it really struck a chord with me. So that, that book has been, uh, one of my favorites as well. So.
0: brilliant okay well thanks for those that's uh, coach's summer reading right there so they are sorted for the next few months um, what is your favorite drill
1: anything with a serve and return I'm all about it
0: mm. so so just starting everything with a serve and return every chance you get yep. yeah. yeah okay I'm with you there um, name one thing you've changed your mind on in recent years whether it's in coaching or in life or both
1: man oh i mean I, i'm i'm really not afraid to change mm-hmm. so that that's a that that question is we would have to do a whole nother podcast uh, <laughs> to go through it all so um i just i really embrace change and um know well, i'd say the thing that that i've the, the thing that i'm i'm more convinced than ever uh is that you know you you can't teach anybody anything you you really have to just help them find it themselves you mm-hmm. you can't you can't go into it and be like oh i i want to make this person you know do x or become y it's like the, you're just got to be there to assist them mm-hmm. and and it's their journey and that's probably the biggest thing that i've come to realize and and just embraced more than ever
0: yeah yeah, that's powerful. Um, what is your favorite quote?
1: Oh man, um, probably. I mean, yeah, probably. You know, there, I think it was in the the book um, How to How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, it's some, it was a, a quote like, um, "You can't get honey by kicking over the beehive." And, um, I just love that quote and it's, and it's just so true. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool.
0: And, and what is one lesson you hope all your players have learned by the time they leave Baylor?
1: Well, I, I hope, um, that they, they, you know, leave with, with much stronger leadership skills and they understand that, um, you know, being a leader is, is very hard. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's something that they have to continue to embrace and, and, and try to grow and learn. And, uh, and that's the biggest thing, you know, we're, we're really, um, intentional about developing leadership in our players. And, um, if they can leave and, and continue that journey, um, then, then yeah, then, then I'll feel like I've, I've done my job.
0: Very good. Okay. Well, Joey, I think we did it. How'd you feel?
1: Dave, It's always a pleasure talking <laughs> to you, man. We, we could do this for hours. Yeah. So, so yeah. Thanks for having me
0: on. No, definitely. Really appreciate your time this morning. Uh, lots of, of great advice here for, for our young coaches. So I'm excited to push this out. So you keep up the great work and I hope to see you uh, somewhere this fall.
1: Absolutely, man. Yeah, you hang in there. And okay. I appreciate you, Dave. Thank you. Thank you, Joey.